Chapter Six of In His Steps. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Von Ullman. In His Steps by Charles Monroe Sheldon. Chapter Six. If any man cometh unto me and hateth not his own father and mother and wife and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. And whosoever forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. When Rachel Winslow and Virginia Page separated after the meeting at the first church on Sunday, they agreed to continue their conversation the next day. Virginia asked Rachel to come and lunch with her at noon, and Rachel accordingly rang the bell at the Page mansion about half past eleven. Virginia herself met her, and the two were soon talking earnestly. The fact is, Rachel was saying, after they had been talking a few moments, I cannot reconcile it with my judgment of what Christ would do. I cannot tell another person what to do, but I feel that I ought not to accept this offer. What will you do then? asked Virginia with great interest. I don't know yet, but I have decided to refuse this offer. Rachel picked up a letter that had been lying in her lap and ran over its contents again. It was a letter from the manager of a comic opera, offering her a place with a large traveling company of the season. The salary was a very large figure, and the prospect held out by the manager was flattering. He had heard Rachel sing that Sunday morning when the stranger had interrupted the service. He had been much impressed. There was money in that voice, and it ought to be used in comic opera, so said the letter and the manager wanted a reply as soon as possible. "'There's no great virtue in saying no to this offer when I have the other one,' Rachel went on thoughtfully. "'That's harder to decide. But I've about made up my mind. To tell the truth, Virginia, I'm completely convinced, in the first case, that Jesus would never use any talent like a good voice just to make money. But now, take this concert offer. Here's a reputable company to travel with an impersonator, and a violinist, and a male quartet.' all people of good reputation. I'm asked to go as one of the company and sing leading soprano. The salary, I mentioned it, didn't I, is guaranteed to be $200 a month for the season. But I don't feel satisfied that Jesus would go. What do you think? You mustn't ask me to decide for you, replied Virginia with a sad smile. I believe Mr. Maxwell was right when he said we must each one of us decide according to the judgment we feel for ourselves to be Christ-like. I am having a harder time than you are, dear, to decide what he would do. Are you? Rachel asked. She rose and walked over to the window and looked out. Virginia came and stood by her. The street was crowded with life, and the two young women looked at it silently for a moment. Suddenly Virginia broke out, as Rachel had never heard her before. Rachel, what does all this contrast to conditions mean to you as you ask this question of what Jesus would do? It maddens me to think that the society in which I have been brought up, the same to which we are both said to belong, is satisfied year after year to go on dressing and eating and having a good time, giving and receiving entertainments, spending its money on houses and luxuries, and occasionally to ease its conscience donating, without any personal sacrifice, a little money to charity. I have been educated as you have in one of the most expensive schools in America, launched into society as an heiress supposed to be in a very enviable position. I'm perfectly well. I can travel or stay at home. I can do as I please. I can gratify almost any want or desire. And yet, when I honestly try to imagine 
Jesus living the life I have lived and am expected to live, and doing so for the rest of my life what thousands of other rich people do, I am under condemnation for being one of the most wicked, selfish, useless creatures in all the world. I have not looked out of this window for weeks without a feeling of horror toward myself as I see the humanity that passes by this house. Virginia turned away and walked up and down the room. Rachel watched her and could not repress the rising tide of her own growing definition of discipleship. Of what Christian use was her own talent of song? Was the best she could do to sell her talent for so much a month, go on a concert company's tour, dress beautifully, enjoy the excitement of public applause, and gain a reputation as a great singer? Was that what Jesus would do? She was not morbid. She was in sound health and was conscious of great powers as a singer and knew that if she went out into public life she could make a great deal of money and become well known. It is doubtful if she overestimated her ability to accomplish all she thought herself capable of. And Virginia, what she had just said, smote Rachel with great force because of the similar position in which the two friends found themselves. Lunch was announced, and they went out and were joined by Virginia's grandmother, Madame Page, a handsome, stately woman of sixty-five and Virginia's brother Rollin, a young man who spent most of his time at one of the clubs, and had no ambition for anything but a growing admiration for Rachel Winslow, and whenever she dined or lunched at the Pages, if he knew of it, he always planned to be at home. These three made up the Page family. Virginia's father had been a banker and grain speculator. Her mother had died ten years before, her father within the past year. The grandmother, a southern woman in birth and training, had all the traditions and feelings that accompany the possession of wealth and social standing that have never been distributed. She was a shrewd, careful businesswoman of more than average ability. The family property and wealth were invested in large measure under her personal care. Virginia's portion was, without any restriction, her own. She had been trained by her father to understand the ways of the business world, and even the grandmother had been compelled to acknowledge the girl's capacity for taking care of her own money. Perhaps two persons could not be found anywhere less capable of understanding a girl like Virginia than Madame Page and Rollin. Rachel, who had known the family since she was a girl playmate of Virginia's, could not help thinking of what confronted Virginia in her own home when she once decided on the course which she honestly believed Jesus would take. Today, at lunch, as she recalled Virginia's outbreak in the front room, she tried to picture the scene that would at some time occur between Madame Page and her granddaughter. "'I understand that you are going on the stage, Miss Winslow. We shall all be delighted, I am sure,' said Rollin during the conversation, which had not been very animated." Rachel colored and felt annoyed. Who told you? she asked. While Virginia, who had been very silent and reserved, suddenly roused herself and appeared ready to join in the talk. Oh, we hear a thing or two on the street. Besides, everyone saw Crandall, the manager at church, two weeks ago. He doesn't go to church to hear the preaching. In fact, I know other people who don't either, not when there's something better to hear. Rachel did not color this time, but she answered quietly, You're mistaken. I'm not going on the stage. It's a great pity. You'd make a hit. "'Everybody is talking about your singing.' This time Rachel flushed with genuine anger. Before she could say anything, Virginia broke in. "'Whom do you mean by everybody?' "'Whom? I mean all the people who hear Miss Winslow on Sundays. What other time do they hear her? It's a great pity, I say, that the general public outside of Raymond cannot hear her voice.' "'Let's talk about something else,' said Rachel, a little sharply. Madame Page glanced at her and spoke with a gentle courtesy. "'My dear, Rollin never could—' pay an indirect compliment. He is like his father in that. But we are all curious to know something of your plans. We claim the right from old acquaintance, you know. And Virginia has already told us of your concert and company offer. I supposed, of course, that was public property, said Virginia, smiling across the table. 
I was in the news office day before yesterday. Yes, yes, replied Rachel hastily. I understand that, Madam Page. Well, Virginia and I have been talking about it. I have decided not to accept, and that is as far as I have gone at present. Rachel was conscious of the fact that the conversation had, up to this point, been narrowing her hesitation concerning the concert company's offer, down to a decision that would absolutely satisfy her own judgment of Jesus's probable actions. It had been the last thing in the world, however, that she had desired to have her decision made in any way so public as this. Somehow what Rollin Page had said, and his manner in saying it, had hastened her decision in the matter. "'Would you mind telling us, Rachel, your reasons for refusing the offer?' It looks like a great opportunity for a young girl like you. Don't you think the general public ought to hear you? I feel like Rollin about that. A voice like yours belongs to a larger audience than Raymond in the First Church. Rachel Winslow was naturally a girl of great reserve. She shrank from making her plans or her thoughts public. But with all her repression, there was possible in her an occasional sudden breaking out that was simply an impulsive, thoroughly frank, truthful expression of her most inner personal feelings. She spoke now in reply to Madame Page in one of those rare moments of unreserve that added to the attractiveness of her whole character. I have no reason other than a conviction that Jesus Christ would do the same thing, she said, looking at a Madame Page's eyes with a clear, earnest gaze. Madame Page turned red, and Rollins stared. Before her grandmother could say anything, Virginia spoke. Her rising colors showed how she was stirred. Virginia's pale, clear complexion was that of health but it was generally in marked contrast with Rachel's tropical type of beauty. Grandmother, you know we promised to make that the standard of our conduct for a year. Mr. Maxwell's proposition was plain to all who heard it. We have not been able to arrive at our decisions very rapidly. The difficulty in knowing what Jesus would do has perplexed Rachel and me a good deal. Madam Page looked sharply at Virginia before she said anything. Of course I understand Mr. Maxwell's statement. It is perfectly impractical to put it into practice. I felt confident at the time that those who promised would find it out after a trial, and abandon it as visionary and absurd. I have nothing to say about Miss Winslow's affairs, but, she paused and continued with a sharpness that was new to Rachel, I hope you have no foolish notions in this matter, Virginia. I have a great many notions, replied Virginia quietly. Whether they are foolish or not depends upon my right understanding of what he would do, and as soon as I find out, I shall do it. "'Excuse me, ladies,' said Rollin, rising from the table. "'The conversation is getting beyond my depth. "'I shall retire to the library for a cigar.' "'He went out of the dining-room, and there was silence for a moment. "'Madame Page waited until the servant had brought in something, "'and then asked her to go out. "'She was angry, and her anger was formidable, "'although checked in some measure by the presence of Rachel. "'I am older by several years than you, young ladies,' she said, "'and her traditional type of bearing seemed to Rachel "'to rise up like a great frozen wall "'between her and every conception of Jesus as a sacrifice.' What you have promised, in a spirit of false emotion, I presume, is impossible of performance. Do you mean, Grandmother, that we cannot possibly act as our Lord would? Or do you mean that, if we try to, we shall offend the customs and prejudices of society? It is not required. It is not necessary. Besides, how can you act with any... Madame Page paused, broke off her sentence, and then turned to Rachel. What will your mother say to your decision? My dear, is it not foolish? What do you expect to do with your voice, anyway? I don't know what mother will say yet, Rachel answered, with a great shrinking from trying to give her mother's probable answer. If there was a woman in all raiment with great ambitions for her daughter's success as a singer, Mrs. Winslow was that woman. Oh, you will see it in a different light after wiser thought of it, my dear, continued Madame Page, rising from the table. You will live to regret it if you do not accept the concert company's offer, or something like it. End of chapter 6 Recording by Vaughn Ullman 
V-O-N-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com.